0: Welcome to this week's edition of an organic conversation, the show about food, ecology, stories, many, many stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships and life itself. Our topic today is the planting a seed, gardening advice for the novice. Be it the indoor windowsill, the tiny corner spot on your deck, the 10-foot plot in your front yard or your entire backyard. If you ever wondered what you could be growing and how to go about it, this is your show. Our guest today has written over 50 books on gardening, which for some people makes someone an expert on the topic. Planting a Seed Gardening Advice for the Novice. Today
1: on An Organic Conversation, we are your hosts, Helge Helberg, Mark Mulcahy,
2: and Citarani Palomar.
1: So, you know, this, I was looking up. <laughs> Some things about this show, and I found this quote, two of them actually. One was by George Harrison, and he said, I'm not really a career person. I'm a gardener. <laughs> and and another one that says, if you have a mind at peace, a heart will not harden. Go find a door that opens wide upon a lovely garden. So if you have a garden, <laughs> then you will, then every gardener that I know tells me about this joy that comes from just having their hands in the soil and kneeling in their garden. And so I have spent time in the garden and enjoy doing simple things like weeding and planting, but I haven't done a lot of it because I just haven't. And so I'm very excited to learn some tips on this show.
0: Yes. And dear George, uh, George Harrison, so... Understated, like he. The more you study him, there's just so much. One of my favorite Beatles. One of my four favorites. Yeah, one of your four favorites. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Anyway, yes, you well,
2: I was thinking about actually the same topic that you're referring to, Mark, which is that joy that gardeners get from putting their hands in the soil, mm-hmm. and it's not something that I've ever experienced because I've never gardened, and that was kind of the idea behind doing the show. We had two really wonderful topics, I think, in the last year and a half. One was on the essential. Urban farmer, a wonderful new book, and the other one was about landscapes. Mm, That's right. And both of those I found were a little bit too above my head as somebody who's never done it before. So I really wanted somebody to say, "Okay, you've never gardened. Here's how you do it." Yeah. Because I really do understand (laughs) that there there has to be some kind of, you can't understand it joy of what it's like to grow your own food. Kind of like, you know, having your own pet, right? This is life that you are nurturing. This is a part of your life, this other life. And it's just, it's a magical thing that I look forward to putting my hands in once mm-hmm. I know how to. <laughs> yeah, I know that
0: feeling over your head when you go to a baseball game with Mark for the very first oh. time and and they talk about switch-ups and cutters and I'm like, where's the cutter? Bulks. I'm a sailor. Where's the cutter? <laughs> <laughs> there was no cutter here on the field. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it comes. The more, the more you, you play with that, the more mistakes you allow yourself. Um, you can really make it a, even a tiny part of your lifestyle if you have two, three herb plants on your windowsill and you pluck those basil leaves for your you know, tomato with some olive oil and salt and you know you've grown that. You know, that's just it's it's a different feeling. It's a really different feeling than than um, paying for it. Not just because you grew it, but you actually you're no longer thinking that you paid for it. You grew it. This is your plant. You plucked that life. You know that that sits on your windowsill, and you didn't go to the store for it. That's amazing. It's just a really wonderful. And it's feeling. always
1: an invitation. <laughs> it's it's like you go there. You go to the garden, and it's always welcoming <laughs> and it's always inviting. Whether it's that little plant on the win- windowsill, or whether it's you have a garden plot. And I, one of my favorite things to do is to go out and pick cherry tomatoes and not come back in the house.
2: Oh, just you eat know, them right there. Because you just <laughs> sit
1: down, you eat one with your intention, of okay, this is for the salad. And then you sit down and then you eat a few more and then you pick a few more and then you see a little spider web in the, in the tomato plant. And then it's like all of a sudden you're just, you're lost in that world and then, you know, for me, 45 minutes later, it's like, well, we were gonna eat dinner, so, you know, could you actually get in (laughs) here with
2: the... Well, Mark, do you grow cherry tomatoes, actually?
1: Uh, Yes, we do grow cherry tomatoes at our house. Because
2: from what I've heard, and I know very, very little about gardening, but I hear that tomatoes are one of the trickiest things to grow.
0: We'll find out all that today (laughs) on our show on gardening. And just to (laughs) follow up with you, Mark, you said it's always inviting. It's definitely always abundant and amazing. I'm not sure if it's always, always inviting. I made the mistake, And planted once my entire garden on one weekend. And so four weeks later I was (laughs) slathered with lettuces and with anything that more than anyone could possibly luckily you don't have to harvest them right away. But um and I made really good friends and my neighbors. But yeah, there are some, you know, easy mistakes we can avoid. If we heard of them before, um, in this case, don't plant your entire garden in one weekend. You know, Spread it out, and the harvest will come in spread out as well. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helder. I'm Mark
1: Mulcahy.
2: And I'm Sita Rani Palomar.
0: And today we are speaking with Derek Fell, the author of dozens of gardening books, literally dozens, and an utmost expert on how to grow plants, plants and flowers, in fact, Planting a Seed, gardening advice for the novice, our topic today, that and more when we come back. Stay tuned.
4: Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you.
5: Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit Earl's Organic. Com. Working from home is awesome, except when it's not. If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co-working is the answer. NextSpace is a co-working company with offices in L.A. and the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at NextSpace. Visit nextspace.us for more information. Next space. Your best work happens here.
2: Want to feel your absolute best this spring, full of energy, clarity, and health? Join Bowman College founder, Dr. Ed Bowman, at our Vitality Fasting Retreat for the ultimate therapeutic mind and body cleanse. Detoxify, renew, and start fresh through a fun and rejuvenating four-day retreat at the beautiful Stillheart Institute in Woodside, California. The Bowman College Vitality Fasting Retreat is held May 16th through the 19th, and space is limited, so sign up today. For more information, visit bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N, college.org.
5: We take a walk. The sun is shining down. Burns my feet as I touch the ground.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helga. I'm Mark Mulcahy.
2: And I'm Sita Rani Palomar.
0: Our topic today is planting a seed, gardening advice for the novice. A conversation with Derek Fell, the expert on how to choose the best vegetables, flowers and seeds so you're never disappointed again, which in fact is one of his many book titles. It's springtime and it's all about gardening today. And as always, we're starting off the world with our weekly tip from Sita Rani Paloma, aka Chef Sita, he is her health and beauty tip.
2: Thank you, Helga. The
0: holistic oh, bite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love to mix it up. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I have been thinking about, we, you know, we had a great show on food waste a few weeks back. And this month of April, being the Environment Awareness Month, the Earth Day Awareness Month, I've been looking at how to. We use things more often, right? We talk about reduce, reuse, and recycle. And when it comes to glass jars, which we get in massive abundance at the store, you get that your almond butter in a glass jar, you get your jam in a glass jar. How can we repurpose these ingredients so that we don't have to go to the recycling stage? We can actually reuse them in our home. So I came up with a list of all of these fun ways to reuse glass jars and get really, you know, extra mileage in the food department, extra mileage in home decorating and in storage. So, the um, the most recent Holistic Bite was about breakfast smoothies and putting a breakfast smoothie in a mason jar is a really great way to travel with it. Whether it's what you're taking with you to the office in the morning. Also, I think I may have mentioned this tip before, but this is one of my favorite ways to travel. When I get on a plane and I have no idea whether or not I'm going to be able to get a good source of protein and you can't take liquids on the plane with you, what I do is I'll put some protein powder in a mason jar, no water, at the time and then when I get on the plane I can get water and ice and then combine all of it in my mason jar with the protein powder already and shake it up and the ice kind of acts as a as a whisk and mixes everything together so that's one really creative way that you can make sure to eat well while you're traveling but also use a mason jar and I also mentioned that you can do something similar with vinaigrettes. You can get them emulsified really quickly by putting your olive oil, your vinegar and your herbs and mustard and whatever flavors you're putting in, into a mason jar and shake it You can also use it for beverages. A lot of people love that rustic look of putting maybe um, a piece of twine or something around the lid to give it a little bit of decoration and then putting ice and lemonade in it or... Cola, whatever it is that you want to drink out of your, out of <laughs> maybe organic cola, um, out of your mason jar. And then, of course, using them for leftovers. There are a lot of things like canned goods that you maybe don't use the whole thing at one time. Beans, coconut milk, tomatoes. You can put the rest of it in a mason jar. And it's also a great way to like take desserts to somebody's home. If you've been invited for a dinner party and you want to put something together and maybe not have to worry about washing and bringing it back, make the dessert. Maybe it's a pudding or a mousse and you put it in the mason jars and you take it to your dinner location and everybody gets their own mason jar and you don't have to worry about collecting them before you go. And then there are all kinds of things you could do at home. You could fill your mason jars with beans or small stones partially and then put a votive or a tea light candle in there and use it for ambient lighting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can also use it to store brushes, like cosmetic brushes. You can put your toothbrushes in a mason jar instead of having to buy a $10 toothbrush holder. You can put Q-tips or cotton balls in them. They're also great vase for flowers. And, you know, I had a friend who used to she, she loved this very specific brand of tomato sauce. It was the only brand she bought so she had tons of these identical jars and that's what she used to store everything in her cupboards. She put beans and grains and pasta and chocolate chips and nuts and all kinds of things in these jars and everything was uniform and beautiful in her cabinet. So use it for storage um, use it to if you want to make your own loose tea blend you can take the leftover vanilla bean pods after you've scraped all of the beans out and put the vanilla pods, some cardamom, some cinnamon, make your own chai mix, or use it to put pens and pencils in, or all of those miscellaneous things that you never know what to do with, like safety pins and bobby pins and screws and coins. So get creative. Reuse these Reuse these beautiful glass jars, whether it's for food, whether it's for practicality, or whether it's for something beautiful, and if you guys have any tips of how to use your mason jars, please let us know. We're always looking for new things at, at com or on Facebook forward slash inorganic conversation.
0: Wow, Sita. I love that. Voila. There we go. First of Do all Do I say
2: voila I, after every pretty holistic
0: much. pint? No, but if you don't, I will. But you didn't today. No, you didn't. So I had to. Um, but first of all, glass compared to cans. Um, I read somewhere that some cans oxidize inside when you open them, food cans. Is that
2: is that well, true? some some cans, actually most cans are lined with BPA. And so that's um that's something that concerns a lot of people who are thinking about holistic health and this is leaching into their foods. And so there are certain companies like Eden Organic that have BPA free cans. So that's how they store their beans, which is why I only buy Eden Organic beans. But when you have high acidic foods like tomatoes, for example, that's not that lining isn't gonna hold up against the acid. So that's why storing your.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't seem right when you open a metal can with acid or no acid food and then you leave the whole can with half the food in the refrigerator refrigerator Mm -hmm. for a few days. That doesn't. And and it's hard to to seal them, right? To make it oxygen safe um, once you open a can. There's no lid really for it. Same with plastics, for sure. The softeners and plastics leach into our food. Um, Maybe when you keep it in the fridge, that leaching is not as. Um, extensive as when you have it on the windowsill and the sun shines on it. But neither one, metal or plastic, seems to be a good storage container once you open it. So I I love that idea. The cleanliness of glass—it's um, easy to clean. It's it's cool, um, and and it doesn't leak anything. You know, it's just a, a really neutral material to put things in. It is. I do have a question for you though. Um, can you freeze glass jars, mason jars?
2: Well, it really depends on the jar. So. If Uh, you have a jar, (laughs) well, there are basically, I mean, there are basically two types of glass jars you can get. You can get the glass jars that are pretty much the exact same diameter from the top to the bottom, right? Yes. So so, um, those where the lid is about the same size as the bottom, you can freeze. Just leave some headspace because whatever liquid you put in there will expand a little bit. You don't want to shatter the glass. But the types of glass bottles and jars that, that have that bottleneck where they come into a little bit, even if it's a small amount of a narrower opening than the width of the bottle, the diameter of the bottle, those will gotcha. shatter. Good to so know. I huh. learned that the hard way about 12 times. <laughs> yeah.
0: And even the windproof candles, love that. Well, For that's actually one summer. of my favorite things. Yeah, really. Yeah, People actually... put them in brown bags and that's pretty, but they blow over and having them in a little, so safe, so good.
1: It just, and it just looks gorgeous. It's just, I've, I've been to many a farm dinner where that's the whole pathway was lit lit to the tables and in Mason jars. (sighs) And it's, it's one of my favorite things is the sun setting. And then you have this whole pathway of Mason jars. And then one more little tip for, for our listeners out there is you can use Mason jars as picture frames because you stick a picture in it it f- it'll naturally fold against the outside because it as it curves it'll Aww. naturally fold against the outside of the jar I mean the inside of the jar really? and so you could use it and then you could put like you could put those rocks or you could put some seeds around it or something but you could that's actually fun, create really. a picture frame from it yeah
0: oh, and that's if it's lovely. a person and you you fold it right the mouth actually sticks out Just actually you're actually getting kissed by it. It's beautiful. Um, I do love <laughs> the idea of the windproof candles for gardens because that's our topic today. Um, thank you, Sita, for that amazing holistic bite. As always, the holistic bite is brought to you by the natural beauty company, Echo Bella. Echo Bella offers a wonderful line of body care products and intelligent cosmetics. Of course, all of Ecobella products are preservative-free, gluten-free, and cruelty-free. Check it out, ecobella.com. That's E-C-C-O-B-E-L-L-A dot com, and find out why we use it. Again, that website is ecobella.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy,
2: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: We have such a wonderful show on coconuts last week, talking about the amazing health benefits of coconut oil, coconut water, and coconut pulp, as well as the environmental impact of growing coconut trees and the coconut industry, which is rapidly growing um, here in the United States, lots of products in basically every natural food store across the country. Great show, great guest, Dr. Bruce Fife, the founder of the Coconut Research Center. That's coconutresearchcenter.org for all who want to learn more. And of course, if you missed the show, as for all other shows, go to anorganicconversation.com or iTunes. And listen up. And of course, following us on Facebook.com forward slash An Conversation for produce tips, recipes, and much, much more is another opportunity to be in touch with us. And we love to hear from you. Please send us your comments and questions to share at anorganicconversation.com. Talking about lighting up beautiful pathways through your garden today, we are talking about planting a seed. And even though it's not coconuts, our topic is gardening advice for the novice. In this hour, from indoor to outdoor, from the windowsill to your balcony, from the 10-foot plot in your front yard to your entire backyard, if you're enticed about starting a garden this year, you are at the right place. In this hour, we are talking with the expert on gardening, a man who has written an unbelievably number of 50 books on this topic and who has spent most of his life in pursuit of bringing his knowledge to people who want to grow life. Welcome, Derek Fell. Yes, hello. I'm
2: glad to be here. <laughs> We're glad to have you.
0: It's wonderful. Um, Derek, thanks for making the time. And um you and I spoke last week in preparation of the show, and you shared this wonderful story of how you got into gardening, which was actually not by occupational choice, but by yeah. occupational fate. can you Can we start with that? Uh, it was just so sweet to hear that how how we yeah, all come to well, gardening. It,
3: Quite by accident, I was trained as a journalist and uh, I worked on a newspaper in England in a rural area. Used to have and still does uh, a number of flower shows where uh, vegetable growers and flower growers would exhibit their prize winning entries. And it was my responsibility to go and interview uh, those growers. And find out what it was uh, that grew a 1,000-pound pumpkin or a (laughs) 100-pound cabbage or prize-winning sweet peas. And it was a fascinating topic for me. And after two years on the newspaper, I was able to move to London and work for Britain's biggest wholesale seed company. And they put me in charge of their catalogue. And um, I've been writing about uh, flowers, annuals, perennials, vegetables...
0: Ever since, <laughs> that's incredible, and luckily so for many, many people. You've been in this line of work for uh, decades. It's really your life to bring that knowledge uh, to yes. to the average um, gardener right. or or beginning gardener. So,
1: Mark, yes. yeah. So, Derek, great to have you on the show. So, uh, uh, here's where I would like to start today. Is we have somebody in the studio who's never gardened, and, and and admittedly, she would like to learn some more about gardening. So I was wondering, you know, what are the ideal foods or flowers to plant if you've never gardened? You know, what would be something you'd recommend for inside, like on a windowsill or maybe a small outdoor plot? And then even if they were really adventurous and didn't know better, maybe if they were starting a larger garden outside.
3: Well, for a beginner who doesn't have any garden soil to plant into and only has an indoor windowsill, um, my recommendation would be to start with herbs. And uh, herbs come from many arid areas of the world, uh, mostly around the Mediterranean. They grow in poor soils. Uh, they do need sunlight. Um, And, of course, they have developed these unique uh, flavors and fragrances in order to repel foraging animals. But those um, aromas are uh, beneficial to humans because they help to flavor our food. And uh, to begin with, um, it's it's, uh, ideal to start with some of the most useful herbs like parsley, um, oregano, uh, basil, uh, some of the bushy types of herbs, even a, a pot of lavender, I think, uh, could be grown on a windowsill. And, of course, there are many uses for lavender for... Um, uh, what I like to do with lavender is actually sprinkle a few uh, flowers under my pillow, and it, and it uh, seems that I'm uh, sleeping in a meadow uh, in Provence. Um, I and love of course that. The, the flowers See? can be used to, fra- to uh, <laughs> uh, provide a fragrance uh, for bathwater. Uh, but the edible herbs, of course, uh, are the more popular, and there are many kinds of basils. And, of course, basils are very good to have with your salad, especially on tomatoes. And they will uh, enhance the flavor of a, of a pizza. Uh, so, so that would be my recommendation, to have a few parts of herbs. Uh, they're very easy to take care of. Uh, many of them are drought-tolerant. Um, uh, they will, um, you know, undergo some neglect. Uh, (laughs) Once you have that uh, experience under your belt and you've been successful, uh, then that will encourage you to um, branch out and cultivate a larger space.
0: Which, of course, when you say these are arid plants or they grow in arid climates, it translates, of course, into if you forget to water them for five days, it's okay. Um, (laughs) Would you start those from seed or would you start them from a small starter plant that you got at your health food store or your... Your um, outdoor uh, store. I,
3: I always um, recommend starting from seeds because a packet of seeds today uh, might cost two fifty at the store uh... in some cases you'll be able to grow thirty or fifty plants uh... from that two fifty pack of the seed, but a single uh... plant a transplant can cost you two fifty and all you've got is one plant now fortunately with herbs you don't need a lot of them i mean one um, uh... Part of uh, oregano, for example, or marjoram, uh, that will do you for the season. Uh, now, with sure. parsley, uh, it might be beneficial to have two or three parts. But you don't need a lot of them. Gotcha. And this, a little goes a long way with those uh, herbs that are used for flavorings.
2: Wonderful. This, this makes me a... really happy to hear because the person that they're alluding to in the studio that's never gardened before <laughs> is me. And I'm a chef, so having herbs as my first foray is really exciting. But I do yeah. know that we have some people who may have been successful at getting um, an herb garden growing in their indoor windowsill. They're ready to graduate and maybe do something um, in a little flower box on the on the escape, yeah. or right outside their their front yeah. door. So, what do you recommend if you have a little bit of outdoor land, a little bit of soil of your own? Okay. What would be the ideal crop? Okay, I'll to get plant. to that in a
3: second. First of all, I want to mention something else about seed starting. You don't need to buy a lot of equipment to start seeds. What I do when I go to a supermarket and I buy some bakery goods, for example, or maybe some, a pack of strawberries, they're in what's called a clamshell planter. And when it's empty, it serves as a mini greenhouse. And all you have to do is put in some um, potting soil, uh, water it, close the lid, and put it in a sunny place, and those seeds will germinate vigorously. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, w- within four or five days, very often, uh, I will get parsley and basil t- uh, to germinate. Uh, so that's my tip of the day, is to use those throwaway planters, the clamshell planters, for greenhouses. That's a great with suggestion. A window... With a window box, uh, outdoors or uh, containers on on your uh, front doorsteps, uh, it's much better to uh, gravitate towards annuals. Um, Annuals are fast-growing. They're very inexpensive if you do grow them as transplants. And, again, I would go for the more bushy kinds.
0: What what are annuals? Yeah, What, what are some of those annuals?
3: Well, uh, petunias are very popular, especially the wave petunias, because they're, they're spreading and they will cascade over a container or over a window box. If you plant them in a window box, uh, they've got long stems and they will not only grow up, but the stems will grow out and arch down. So you have what's called a curtain of color. And, um, and then uh, for uh, other uh, kinds of color, I would recommend uh, French marigolds. Uh, they are ever-blooming. Uh, they will bloom within five weeks from seed. And um, uh, some of the popular varieties, there's one called Queen Sophia. She won an award, uh, actually uh, developed in France. Uh, but that's an ever-blooming dwarf French marigold. It will bro- bloom all the way from spring until
4: fall, and, when and it we, doesn't get put.
0: Yeah, when we talk about vegetables or edibles, um, uh, I, I know some flowers are edible. I don't think one of these two, for example, um, you could use um, for... That's
3: true. If you wanted edible flowers, uh, I would recommend nasturtiums. Now uh, there are two kinds of nasturtiums. There's one that grows as a bushy plant, and there's another that grows as a vine. Uh, But again, it will it will climb over the edge of a planter, and it will create a curtain of color. Now, you the, the part of the nasturtium that I like to eat is actually the flower. And, you, and the, the flowers are orange, they're red, they're yellow, mahogany, and you can sprinkle those in a salad and eat them, and they're delicious. And at the heart of every flower, there is a, a spot of nectar, and that's sweet. It, it's got a peppery, sweet flavor. Uh, <laughs> that's but just but great. the entire plant of a nasturtium is edible. I mean, the stems, the leaves... Uh, They have a delicious peppery flavor, and I love to uh, mix them into salads.
5: Um,
3: Another um, edible uh, plant would be um, pansies or violas. Uh, They taste like lettuce, and you would simply um, pick the flower, and again, you could sprinkle it into a salad to make it more decorative. Um, carnations also are similarly edible. You can pick the petals and uh, simply sprinkle them over a
1: salad. Well, that's you know, that's fantastic, Derek. I mean, that is a lot of information <laughs> for anybody who wants to get started. And you know, and but what I would like to do is I'd like to before we go to break I'd like to just ask one last quick question. What would be a couple of vegetables you could do like in a small planter okay. box outside?
3: Uh, tomatoes. Would be number one because uh, they are ever blooming and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, ever bearing. But you must uh, grow the dwarf, um, what they call the determinate tomato, if you're growing it in a container. Uh, because a vining uh, tomato would get too tall and lanky, but a determinate type or a bush kind of tomato would do very well, even in a window box. And the other one I would recommend is peppers, because they are also everbearing and they're bushy, but especially the sweet bell pepper. And a variety that I like is called Gypsy, because you'll get three colors on one plant, like a hot pepper. Uh, uh, and Gypsies gypsy are the perfect give you a size, red, too. It'll give you an orange, and it'll give you a yellow. So you've got something decorative as well as being edible.
0: Okay, tomatoes and peppers, and then we will come back um, after the break to hear more about the larger type garden and how to feed it, because the seasons are really from planting to feeding to harvesting. The summer is the feeding time, even though you might be able to harvest some of it already. We're speaking with Derek Fell, the expert on gardening, um, the author of over 50 books um, and uh, amazing gardening advice on our show today, Planting a Seed gardening advice for the novice um derek stay with us we'll be back with more right after the break
2: at eden foods we've always strived to have a strong positive impact on farming practices and food processing techniques as the oldest natural and organic food company in north america our business practices and products endeavor to contribute to a peaceful evolution on earth we encourage everyone to be knowledgeable discerning and proactively involve buyers as we are Look for organic grains, beans, beverages, and more by Eden Foods at your local co-ops, natural food stores, and online at edenfoods.com.
5: Are you committed to green, socially responsible, and sustainable business practices? Percepticon can help with eco-friendly internet solutions, website design services, e-commerce solutions, mobile apps, and high-performance internet hosting for your business. Percepticon is a full-service agency that specializes in web consulting, strategy, and technology development, so you can successfully communicate with your audience. Lighten your tech footprint in a green hosting environment. Call Percepticon today at 925-937-9000 or visit them at Percepticon.com.
2: SPUD stands for Sustainable Produce Urban Delivery. SPUD delivers the highest quality organic produce and the best locally sourced grocery items one can find directly to your doorstep. It's easy, it's convenient, and it supports your local economy. On every delivery day, SPUD takes at least 100 cars off the road that would have otherwise been driving to the grocery store. Reduce your carbon footprint, save time, and save money when grocery shopping with SPUD. Place your order today at spud.com. That's s p u dcom Let it grow, let it grow. You can't read what you don't sow. Let's see inside the earth. Just one way to know it's
3: worth. Let's celebrate the world's giving birth. We say let it grow. My name's Marie, and I am
0: three. I will really. And friend. we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark McKay.
2: And I'm Rani Palmar.
0: Our show is about planting a seed, gardening advice for the novice. And we're speaking with the expert on this topic, Derek Fell, who was reporting on vegetable as part of his journalism job. And then luckily for us, found his passion in vegetables and flowers. Um, Before the break, we talked about what can be grown on small plots, indoors, even on the windowsill. Um, And um, Derek just to cover the garden, of course, just depending on your size, anything is possible. Um, how do you uh, know or determine the, the space you need, for example, for a squash, which will just take over your, your back deck or your balcony? Um, that's something you wouldn't grow. Uh, what's a good, uh, a good tip to how to pick the right size of vegetables for your size of plot?
3: You have uh, the bush type. Uh, which will stay fairly compact, and you could even grow it in a container. And then you have the vining kind. And with the vining kind, you don't have to let them sprawl over the ground because all you have to do is provide a trellis, and they're self-climbing, and they will climb up the trellis and save space. In fact, that's the title of one of my books. It's called Vertical Gardening. And I not only advise people the types of trellis to use, but I also recommend the varieties uh, to, to use. For example, with spinach, most people recognize spinach as a kind of a, a, a small bushy plant like a lettuce, but it's actually a climbing variety of spinach which will uh, ever bear all season. And um, uh, with a regular spinach, once you pick it, that's it, it's finished, but with a climbing spinach, the more you pick it, uh, the more uh, it will bear.
2: Huh. Interesting. So uh, that is really interesting and exciting to know because if you don't have a lot of space, vertical, go uh, up, that's the way to do it. we had a vertical
0: gardening tip um, f- put up by our social media expert on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash and again a conversation, which um, received huge feedback. People love that. Yeah. What to convert into well, into vertical garden has been
3: very popular with people because uh, I mean, obviously space if you is grow a, problem. a large variety of yeah. bean, you know, you'll have it bearing for maybe three weeks and you'll get two, two or three pickings out of it. Sure, But if you buy a pole bean, you'll get 10 times the production and it will bear from, well, early summer until fall frost. And it's it's occupying the same space.
4: Speaking
0: <laughs> of the season, yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, so now that we are getting a really good refresher about what we should plant, how we should plant it, how do we take care of it? Like, what, what do you need to nourish your plants so that they keep bearing fruit throughout the entire duration of their season?
3: Well, um, I always uh, tell people that soil is the foundation of success with any garden. And of course, the more compost that you can put into your soil, uh, the better, Uh, because compost will improve a sandy soil. It will also improve a clay soil. Now, if um, you want to grow uh, a a really uh, good harvest of any particular vegetable, it has to be fertile. And even with uh, a lot of compost, you generally need a fertilizer boost. Now, in the world of uh, gardening, you have chemical fertilizers and you have organic fertilizers. And it always looks like you're getting a better bargain with the chemical because you might have an analysis of 10-20-10, for example, which means that you would get 10% nitrogen, 20% uh, phosphorus, and 10% potash, which are the three main nutrients. Uh, but a, but a lot of that chemical fertilizer turns to salt and it poisons the soil and it kills the microorganisms in the soil. So always look for an organic fertilizer. Now when you pick up a, an organic fertilizer bag, it might have a much smaller analysis. It might be two three two, or two five three. Uh, and it may seem like it's not a good comparison with a chemical fertilizer, but the organic fertilizer is much more efficient at feeding your plants, so it doesn't need to be such a high analysis. So I always recommend that people look for the organic fertilizer before they use any other kind.
0: And how do you know what amount of fertilizer to use for what kind of plant? What's the golden thumb rule there? Once a week for anyone that that always works? Or are there some plants that need a little more?
3: Uh, You'll have to read the label because each fertilizer um, analysis is different um but the uh, label will tell you um, usually it will tell you how much of the product to mix with a gallon of water that's usually the, the the standard measurement sure is is a gallon watering can and usually it's it's like a teaspoon or it's a tablespoon depending on the brand of fertilizer that you're using Yes but- And also it will tell you to use it every day two weeks, every three weeks. In some cases, with a slow-release fertilizer, you may need only feed once every three months or four months.
2: So, Derek, I'm going to ask a pretty rudimentary question because I have never gardened before. When you say fertilizer, is this the food? This is what you need to feed your plant? Or is this just part of getting the soil ready for the plant?
3: Um, It is uh, A fertilizer um, is like... um, Uh, a vitamin tablet uh, or uh, at least a vitamin tablet that has a lot of nutrients in it uh, because the three essential nutrients are nitrogen. Nitrogen gives you healthy leaves. Then you have phosphorus. Phosphorus gives you a healthy root system. It also promotes flowering and fruiting. Uh, and then you have potash. Now, potash is important for general health and also for disease resistance. And those are the three main nutrients that plants need.
0: And does, and does the I, amount that you fertilize each plant with, isn't that depending on the plant itself as well? Like some, some plants need yes, a little bit yes, more? It
3: does. Uh, yes, it does. And um, the best way I can explain it is if you have a leafy, crop, like cabbages or lettuce or spinach, oh, you need a high nitrogen formula. Uh, if you are growing tomatoes or peppers or cantaloupe, any kind of fruit, you need a high phosphorus number. Um, uh, and, and that's the best way I can explain it. But again, uh, the label will generally tell you um, what plants that fertilizer is recommended for?
2: Gotcha. That is a really helpful summary. Speaking that makes of perfect sense. speaking
0: of labels, you have a wonderful website. Um, it's called the Avent Gardener. A V A N T the avantgardener.info, with lots of tips. You offer a newsletter where you guide people through it and give seasonal tips, um, really, from the expert to the novice. What are some other great resources that you found um, in addition to uh, the vast Uh amount of your books and your website and your newsletter? Um, We know there are websites out there now that actually... Uh, where you can put in your zip code and it tells you the sun duration and your soil quality roughly and what you can plant and help you with planting a garden. Cedar, what's that site? The best best
3: advice I can give you about the internet is this. Uh, It's not always reliable information (laughs) that you will get. So true. um, Because a little learning goes a long way with a lot of people and they will tell you things that are not strictly true. But for example... If you're living in the Pacific Northwest, which has a cool growing season, and you want to know which tomatoes will ripen early in your area, what you do is you go on your computer and you search for uh, tomatoes, For uh, Oregon, for example, if you're living in Florida, which is a totally different climate, you you type in Florida tomatoes, and then up will come a website, usually by the state university, and it will tell you what specific varieties are good for your area. Now, what's amazing to me is that um, certain varieties are consistently good no matter where you grow them. And a good example of that is Better Boy Tomato. Now, the world record for yield is 300 pounds of fruit from a Better Boy Tomato, and it was grown by a farmer in Alabama. And I recently did another book called Grow This, And Grow This tells you the varieties that you should be growing if you want the most uh, heavily bearing tomato or you want peppers and you're in a cool season area. And with lawn grasses particularly, uh, those are extremely regional. And so my book gives you the best varieties for wherever you live.
0: And that's just two recommendations out of the vast <laughs> resource body that you have created. And um, thank you so much for joining us today, Derek. Um, wonderful to have you and your expertise and passion is clear and okay. so appreciated. Thanks well, They were good, good question. Yes, <laughs> thanks for being <laughs> thank part you, of the Derek. show today. Um, again, that's Derek and his website is theavantgardener.info. Great newsletter, great site. And I love that recommendation. Um, check out the the local university extension office they have you know integrated pest management resource sites they have sites on what you can grow in that climate they've done the work you don't need to do the work
2: that's a great recommendation there's also i just what is heard, that website
0: that yeah, you told me about yeah there's another
2: one called smart gardener which is a really intelligent way for you to get video tips all kinds of things to learn how to be a better gardener or if you don't want to be a gardener but you've got a little bit of gardening space you can essentially let people know you've got the space have somebody come and garden for you and you get some of the yield, and they get some of the yield. So, do you feel smart now yet and
0: you can know how to do it?
2: I really do. Yes. That was an amazing, amazing explanation. What a and great interview. And if you
0: interview. still don't, we will tell you what to buy in the store this week. <laughs> what's coming up is what's in season with Mark Mokehi when we come back for more. Stay tuned.
3: Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com.
2: Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com.
5: Working from home is awesome, except when it's not. If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co working is the answer. Next Space is a co-working company with offices in LA and the Greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at Next Space. Visit nextspace.us for more information. Next Space, your best work happens here.
3: Ooh, to you. Surprise! Surprise! Couldn't find it.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. Wow, gardening. <laughs> this is the time, this is the season, this is the year. Um, so we hope you feel inspired to start something outdoors or on your windowsill. And Sita, you're saying you're ready. Um, again, if you need to at least supplement some of your vegetables for the summer, because you can't fully rely on your own harvest quite yet, here is Mark Mukehi, and he will tell you what's phenomenal this week. Mark Mokehi with What's
1: in season? You know, it's interesting because when you just said that, Helga, because people used to come (laughs) in the store and they say, God, you know, all these people have gardens and there's farmers markets. Aren't you worried about your business? And I said, you know what? I would love to be closing my doors because every <laughs> yeah, single person reason. in the United States grew all their food and didn't need a produce market. Oh, but I know that's not gonna happen. Yep. So I so but you know, yes, I want you to eat from your garden and when you uh, need something nice. else, you come to the produce you come to your favorite produce department. Yeah, so today, you know, of course we've got Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market and Earl's organic produce on the line with us. And he took a little stroll on the farm down in Modesto this week, and he's gonna tell us just a quick little bit about what that was like and what's going on out there in the field. Hey Earl. Hi Earl.
4: Hello everybody. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful weekend. I was uh, so in Modesto that's kind of almost right in the middle of of California. It's in the middle of the San Joaquin Valley. It's definitely farm country, and uh, and to get there to leave the metropolitan area and drive over there mm. is, is a wonderful time. And and right now, before it gets too warm, it's green everywhere because in the summer out here it turns real golden, the Golden State. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. And this farm is a really diverse uh, little place. It's. Uh, got uh stone fruit all different kinds of stone fruit pluots nectarines and plums and um some of the wonderful things out of the popping out of the ground were kales onions and potatoes and i marveled at his rows uh of his potatoes and onions because it looked there wasn't a bit of weeds anywhere and I and I remarked on that I said how can this be so incredibly clean being organic he said it's one of those years that the weather was just perfect is just the right amount of moisture just enough cold and it was actually a sparkling garden really? um, <laughs>
0: that's so great
4: yeah. did you take photos <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I did take some photos, and I'll see if I can – I will shoot those over to you. I mean, it was It was just so so spectacular. And this is the time of year. I mean, that just translates into all these farmer's markets that are uh, – I know a bunch of them around here are just starting up. And please take a stroll. You're going to see a lot of colorful items. And some of the wonderful things you're only going to see for a short period of time are these spring onions and green garlic. Now this is not a different item, they're just harvested immature mature and young uh, because we're, you know, we're finishing up on this storage stuff that's either almost gone or if you do have some storage onions, they're probably going to start to sprout in a day or two and they're even kind of bitter. So this is the time to get this fresh spring onion that's going to have a wonderful mild flavor, even a kind of a bit of a sweetness
0: to it. Which is really the first real vegetable crop um, I mean you mentioned chard and kale but that's really still wintering over from the mm-hmm. from the last months and maybe even a year-round crop so it's definitely fresh and not stored but spring onions and and green garlic isn't that the first um of the very season mark isn't that like that's the what comes in locally
1: yeah usually you'll start seeing peas you'll start seeing oh, you know you yes. know because we've already had the greens and we've already talked about them on the show and you know spring uh spring onions and spring garlic Sita was saying that the spring onions are of her favorites. and I And I know that they're definitely some of mine. I I will go out of my way to buy the first ones of the year. And Earl, just, you know, what do you like to do with them when you... You just sounded excited about these spring onions. (laughs) You know, what do you like to do with them when you get them home?
4: Well, you know, what impresses me about them is that they, they embody... This fresh spring, I mean, they're crisp and they're 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 full of vitality. I mean, really, you start to you start to cut them up and start to prep them in the in the in the kitchen, and they are strong, powerful little guys. And what I like to do is, is use the entire thing. Cut up the greens and chop them real real small. Throw them in a salad, and I like to saute. I will cut up the onion or the garlic and, and saute that, and sometimes not even saute them, just eat them fresh because. You get that real freshness. It's a, you know, for me the word that works is vitality. Oh, so you, you don't you don't actually cook
0: them. You don't, don't make an omelet with it. You actually, you actually chop them up and to. you yeah. eat it raw. You actually yeah. prefer
1: not to oh. on these, because of the flavor. You would actually so lose fine. some of the flavor oh. because it's it's such a it's such a mild uh, delicate uh, yes. distinct. flavor. So if you
0: make an omelet or whatever you do, you could cook that and then add that later, or so even stay... just at the
1: end of the cooking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they yeah.
0: stay crispy and nice.
1: Ugh. Yes
4: because you cuz mark's right it it's very very mild it's it's more of just giving you this this hit of vitality in springtime it is it is so great and you know we're right on the threshold of, of a complete you know the season just
0: you know avalanching all over us with the stone fruit. Yeah, like you so, need vitality. Yeah. <laughs> well, he
1: doesn't need it because he eats, he eats spring onions onion. <laughs> four times a day. Oh, uh, great. No one comes in the office, but yes, he does. Eat. What did you say? The avalanche of freshness. <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. Well, I, you know, if you get a chance, because
4: I mean, think I think really most almost all over the United States right now, take a trip on a beautiful spring uh, afternoon. Get out there and get in the rural area, go through the rolling hills, and you you know you'll have the same experience. It's just a breathtaking time of yeah, year. Yeah,
0: down the, the, the coast, we had some fresh strawberries the other week already of the first of the year. oh beautiful!
1: What a great reminder, Earl. Thank you so Thank much you, for sharing Thank a little you. bit of your visit to the farm. And, and <laughs> as wait. always, we will have you back here next week. Thank Spring you so onion. much for bringing That's that right. vitality <laughs> to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
2: Earl. Thanks, Earl. I'll talk so, to you then.
1: And just a talk quick c- couple Bye. quick tips onion on and green garlic. Yeah, on on those is that, you know, with regular onions, you leave them out on the counter because they've already cured. But with spring onions or spring garlic, you want to put them in your crisper in a plastic bag and they'll keep a couple weeks in there. So, and it's not necessarily that they're, a lot of times people say that they're sweeter. It's mostly that they're milder and because they haven't uh developed any of that, um, Sulfury. You need the sulfury uh, taste to them. And also, if they were come from a sweet onion, because they're just an immature onion, they may not even have, have developed all their sweetness yet from like a sweet onion. Yeah, it's so like baby lettuces, right? It's like, like. Ba- yeah, so similar. Yeah. And so, yes, use them fresh. Do uh, You can cook with them, but if you're going to cook with them, add them at the end of a dish always. And, and then one of my favorite ways to do this is you just cut the spring onions down, down the center of the stock and open them up in this little brush of olive oil and grill them right on the grill that way. And they are tremendous. And it's a great wow. way to start grilling season,
4: yeah.
0: which is a, a, one of our upcoming topics. I'm sure <laughs> if not, we'll make it that right. <laughs> wonderful. So yes, gardening, it's all about, um, keeping the harvest close to your home and, um, Right now, look out for spring onions and green garlic. What a treat. Thank you, Mark. Wonderful show. And it feels like we don't have time for an organic moment, but this was all my organic moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to claim that. So fun. Get out, go into the garden, see what you can harvest, where you can plant something. And um, yeah, look out for fresh things in your produce aisle or at the farmer's market, of course. Wonderful. The season is here.
2: And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation
0: is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. Studio engineer, Robert Costa. Underwriting production, Mark Van Gelder. Thank you all.
1: If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com.
2: And you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash conversation.
0: We're your host Helga Helberg. Mark Bokkehi. And
2: Sita Ronnie Palomar.
0: And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye.